Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome back, everybody. Today, it's going to be just me. It's going to be a solo album today and a chance for me to talk with you about some clinical things that I think will be really helpful to you in your process. Before we jump in, I'd like to share with you a couple of things. First of all, we have a free course that you can download called the First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. And you can find the link in the show notes. And it's a six or seven part video series that really breaks down the process of rebuilding trust from the perspective of the person who broke the trust, the person who has been injured. And for the couple, this is a very confusing and chaotic time for a lot of couples when trust is broken, when there's a discovery or some kind of revelation that the relationship is in crisis. And I've provided this resource free of charge for you to be able to know how to navigate these early days and weeks. And you can go to the link in the show notes and give us your email address and we'll send it to you right away. So hopefully that can be a good resource for you. And I also want to just tell you about an app, a company that I've partnered with who I think are doing some great work. Last, like a year or two ago, I had a young man on the podcast named Chandler Rogers. And uh, you really ought to hear his story. He personally overcame a struggle with compulsive pornography use and then used his experience to give back to others by creating a recovery app called Relay. And this app is for people who want freedom from addictive sexual behaviors. And uh, he essentially built what he wished he had during his healing journey. And I really think his story and the resource he created in that Relay app could really be helpful for some people listening to this podcast. So you can go find his story on episode 129, and I've also linked it in the show notes. But with this Relay app, I partnered with them and they, they have a code you can use at checkout to get 15% off. It's a very low cost app and it's a recovery resource that will really help build support and community for you if you're really struggling with this. And if you've found that a lot of things aren't helping or working. So you can enter the code Jeff1. And remember, my name is spelled G-E-O-F-F and then the number one. So Jeff won at the checkout and you can say 15%. And just, you know, as far as Relay, it's just, it's a good app that helps create accountability and connection. It actually matches people into groups with peers who are going through similar struggles to overcome pornography use. And it's more than just like a group chat. It's a safe, powerful tool with lots of helpful features. It even includes like an SOS button to get help from the group right away. And there's a lot of cool features. So you can click on the link in the show notes and check it out, demo it. And again, enter that code Jeff1 at checkout and you can save 15% on your monthly subscription to Relay. So excited to make that available as a resource. And, you know, I really haven't featured a lot of partnerships on this podcast, but I do want to share resources I believe in and I think are really helpful to my audience. So this is definitely one I'm a big fan of. Okay. So today I'm going to talk about disclosure and this is something that's been coming up a lot in my clinical work over the years, but it seems like lately I've had a, a nice, I would say, surge 
of people wanting to come in and do disclosures, which I'm really thrilled about because I really feel like this is such a foundational part of healing from betrayal. And it's something that I think scares a lot of people. And it's normal, I think, to want to just move on from the past and not stay focused on past events. And of course, the person who's broken the trust oftentimes is highly motivated to not want to face the past or just they just want to move on and face the future. You know, sometimes people will say things like, well, you know, your windshield is a lot bigger than your rearview mirror. So only focus on the windshield. And, you know, I, I certainly agree that facing forward is critical. And I also believe that if the past has never been addressed, if it's never really been healed, if there's never been any real accountability or any sort of real compassion or understanding or even just basic truth, then the past actually becomes bigger than the future. It feels like every single day you're being hijacked and controlled by the uncertainty and the impact of the past. And I want to share with you, there was a really great article in the New York Times like 10 years ago called Great Betrayals. And you can Google it and it's by Anna Fells. And I want to share with you something about this idea that that she shares in here about the impact that secrets have on relationships. And she's talking about when somebody learns information about their own story that they didn't know, information that, you know, somebody else's choices or behaviors and, and the impact it has on their own life. And let me just read you one of one of the paragraphs here. I think that this is this is just so accurate for what I see in my work. She says, insidiously, the new information disrupts their sense of their own past. And she's talking about the person who's been betrayed. The new information disrupts their sense of their own past, undermining the veracity of their personal history. Like a computer file corrupted by a virus, their life narrative has been invaded. Memories are now suspect. What was really going on that day? Why did the spouse suddenly buy a second phone quote for work several years ago? Did a friend know the truth even as they vacationed together? Compulsively going over past events in light of their recently acquired and unwelcome knowledge, such patients struggle to integrate the new version of reality. For many people, this crediting of their experience is hard to accept. It's as if they're constantly reviewing their past lives on a dual screen, the life they experienced on one side and the new, true version on the other. But putting a story together about this kind of disjunctive past can be arduous. Understandably, some feel cynical, if not downright paranoid. How can they know what is real going forward? How can they integrate these new facts about family, origin, religion, race, or fidelity? Do they have to be suspicious if they form a new relationship? As my friend said in despair, I'm not just a snoop. It's just not in my genes. So it really does bring up, and that's the end of the quote there. It really does bring up this dilemma of, man, I just really want to know what's going on because I feel like, like she says, like there's been a virus that's infected my memory that I just can't really go forward without knowing exactly what's real with this dual screen of what I thought I was living and what actually happened. So disclosure is really one of the only ways to resolve that dilemma. And if you have an opportunity to go through a disclosure, I generally recommend it. The research on it is super clear that 90 plus percent of couples that go through a formal therapeutic disclosure experience are glad they did it even if they, and especially if they learn information they had no idea about. Now, most disclosures are going to include new information. You didn't know. That's why it's a disclosure. I have worked with lots of couples where the disclosure didn't really have any new earth-shattering nuclear information. 
Sometimes the information was a review or pulling together a lot of details that were disjointed or chaotic. And the disclosure still has tremendous benefit in those cases as well. It's really hard to move forward and trust that you can know what's real in your own life when you don't really have a cohesive narrative of your past. And one of the cruelest things I believe about living a secret life and the impact it has on your partner is that you're basically stealing their reality from them. When you've made a commitment to someone else that you're going to share your lives together and information that is important for them to know, certainly around issues of fidelity, commitment, sexual integrity, those are things that belong to the relationship. And when you hide them from another person, it's stealing their own version of reality. It's preventing them from knowing what's really happening, especially when they're responding to you as if you both know the same information. So it's the kindest thing you can do. It's the most compassionate thing you can do to come out of hiding and go through full disclosure. In today's episode, and I, I could talk for hours and hours about disclosure, but today I'd like to do a just a brief overview of some of the reasons, some of the rationales for why disclosure is such a critical piece of the recovery journey. And I'll just go through some of the points of you know why I believe in it and why I recommend it. And in a lot of cases, why I, in, in couples that I work with, why I advocate for them to go through this process, which naturally most people want to avoid. One of the first things it does, disclosure, one of the first things it does is it helps both people enter reality. Now, granted, one person with the secrets holds the whole reality, right? They're the ones that have all the information, but in a lot of ways, they've been lying to themselves. So we certainly get that the person who's been betrayed doesn't have the full story or doesn't have reality. But I also want to point out that the person who's broken the trust also isn't living in reality. There's a tremendous amount of self-denial, justification, lies, and hiding that's going on on a very individual level. And because of that, they have perfectly curated or designed a life that prevents them from having to face that reality. And one of the reasons they're avoiding disclosure is because of the pain of having to open up all the compartments they've closed, of having to break down all the walls they've built inside of their own mind. It's really difficult to confront our own story. Brene Brown has talked about that we can spend our lives running from our stories or we can stand and step inside of our own story. And then that ultimately is a lot less painful than spending our lives running from reality. So when you're keeping secrets, you're living in a false reality. The life you're actually living isn't the life you're, of course, you're presenting to others, especially your loved one. And in many cases, you know, your loved one already senses something is off. And so to keep them in the dark or to keep them out of that reality is so controlling and it's abusive. It's just so wrong. So when you put yourself in a false reality by hiding and you put your partner in a false reality, nobody can really make good decisions about the future until all the truth is out. Otherwise, you're just basing it off of you know, completely inaccurate information. Disclosure helps both people enter the same reality, which makes it possible to make decisions about the future of the couple. And based on that, a second point is I want to spend a little more time on this idea that it really helps the person who's broken the trust, the person who's keeping the secrets, helps you face your own story. Facing yourself is, I think, one of the, again, a significant task of healing because if you don't even really know or you're honest about what you're even doing or what you've done, there's no way to really heal. 
So your willingness to be honest about your own actions is, a, is such a critical task because if you can't face yourself and you just want to stay in an ongoing lie that you'll continue to perpetuate with secrecy and denial, it's just going to create more pain that you have to numb. So facing yourself by facing your partner, facing your story and opening up about it, you know, it doesn't guarantee you'll stay together. It doesn't guarantee anything. It just guarantees that you'll step into reality. And that becomes a building block for moving forward with your own healing. So many people stay in hiding as a way to control staying together with their partner. Well, if I don't share this information with my partner, then they'll stay with me. If I don't share this information with my partner, then they'll love me and respect me. But make no mistake, the person who's keeping the secrets knows at a very deep level that the person that, that they're hiding from isn't really able to fully love them or accept them until they know the full truth. So it ends up becoming this charade to a degree. It ends up becoming false intimacy where the person who's being kept in the dark you know, might have a really genuine loving moment of saying, hey, I love you so much. I'm so grateful I'm with you. And the person keeping the secret, of course, is thinking to themselves, you wouldn't say that if you knew everything. And so you can see that the walls are already up, even though the person keeping the secrets is trying to regulate the connection and the closeness by keeping the other person in the dark. Of course, you can see the problem there. And it just blocks intimacy. It blocks the ability to be close, not only because the information's not being shared, but because you know it's not being shared and it affects the way that you receive love or your ability to receive love. That's a profound, profound shift that happens when disclosure happens. Because once you've revealed everything, and let's say the partnership stays together and they keep working and healing happens, you're finally capable of receiving the love that will come your direction. Disclosure also helps reduce shame. You know, living in secrecy, living in, in that place is extremely painful. And it leaves you feeling like you're just a horrible person. You may not consciously think that all the time, but when you're living in that place, you know that you're, you're doing something that violates your own boundaries, your own standards, your own view of how you want to be as a person. And so then you're just living with this unresolved shame, the sense of brokenness, the sense of just hiding and shrinking and believing that if people really knew everything about you, they wouldn't love you. Coming out of hiding and facing that reality allows you to fully release all that shame. Now, of course, somebody's going to respond uh, strongly or negatively to the information. But I'm always amazed, still to this day after doing this for so many years, I'm always still amazed at how most people that receive a disclosure that are finally being told the truth are less upset about the information they're hearing and more upset about the fact that they were lied to. So the impact of living a lie all the time just diminishes and breaks down both people so much that both people just feel live in a place of just deep shame of feeling unworthy, of feeling unloved, feeling less than. And so opening up the truth just frees everybody up from that. Another, I guess, reason for doing disclosure is that it really opens up a chance for trust and forgiveness to even happen. There's not truth or there's not reality. You can't trust. It's just impossible because you never really know what's happening or what's going to happen. And so when you see somebody have the courage to open up and speak the truth, it actually gives you something to trust. It actually gives you something to forgive down the road. Whereas when you don't know that, but you feel something's off or you can tell or feel that you're being played, it just keeps you in a perpetual state of insecurity and fear. So giving the couple something to actually work on, to actually work with 
is critical. And the and truth is the only way to do that. Another justification or reason I should say for doing a disclosure is that it reverses the flow of the information. So many people, when they're keeping secrets, oftentimes the betrayed partner will feel that something's off and they'll ask questions and they'll they'll pull and and demand or beg for information. And the person keeping the secrets is, you know, sometimes going to reveal something or maybe they get caught. But if if you see what I'm saying here, that the flow of the information is really just going one direction. It's coming from the person who's betrayed. They're pulling it, they're craving it, they're clawing it out of the other person. And that just leaves the person who's been betrayed just feeling so insecure and afraid all the time and untrusting, believing that the only way they're going to know the truth is if they ask the right questions. So when somebody has the courage and the commitment to go through a full disclosure, they are reversing the flow of that information. They're the one now sharing it. They're the one bringing it up. They're the one sharing and talking about this. It makes such a huge difference. There's a lot more I could say about this. There's so many other justifications. And maybe I'll record an additional episode talking about some more of the reasons. But ultimately, this allows two things to become one, two people who have been living in this separate place to become one. And it restores wholeness. And it's difficult. And there's a lot of steps to it. And it's very involved in doing a really healthy disclosure. It's not just enough to just start talking about your story because a lot of the times there's so much shame and so much chaos and so much self justification and denial and other things that come out that it just can make it more traumatic and difficult for the person hearing it. So I'm a big fan of finding and working with a therapist or a coach who can help you and guide you through the process of disclosure. It's something that I don't recommend couples just try and do on their own without that support. And if you don't have a therapist who knows how to do this, then I recommend that you you know, do some research and maybe even work temporarily with a therapist who knows how to do this, even if you love the therapist you're working with. Find someone who knows how to specialize in this and, and that will make a huge difference. Disclosure is really, it's a responsibility if you've kept secrets and lies and hiding. It's, it's a critical and core part of long-term healing. And I worked with so many couples who have done partial disclosures or there's been discoveries and they've been in this forever and they've never fully sat down and resolved this. It can just leave a wound open for so many years and it's totally preventable. I hope this has been helpful. I hope this has given you some things to think about and some ideas on how to conceptualize disclosure and hopefully made a strong case for it. If you are in need of this and you need to do this in your own relationship, I hope you'll reach out and get some help and have the courage to do this. And if you're someone who's been betrayed, that you'll expect it, that you'll ask for it, that you'll require it as part of the healing for your relationship and not settle for half-truths, denial, and avoidance. Thanks again for listening. Encourage you again to check out the Relay app that's linked in the show notes, a very helpful recovery tool for people that are trying to overcome pornography issues compulsive sexual behaviors in community with support and accountability. You can use the code Jeff1 at checkout and get 15% off. Always great to be with you every single week here on the podcast. Look forward to connecting with you in the next episode.